Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is Morning Rush by Alex Vitale. John, open the door. Come on. Please? I even put away the chainsaw. The chainsaw? That's not what I was worried about, Jane. I'm not coming out until you get rid of that... that monstrosity. The circular saw? No. That accursed hardware store, Jane. Oh, that. John. I don't want to hear it. I will not, ever, under any circumstances, work for such a horrid disgusting, evil place like that. John, the hardware store closed down. It did? Yeah, it went bankrupt and I had to close up shop. Turns out there isn't much of a demand for hardware supplies in an apartment with only two confirmed residents. Really? Yep. Also, I was caught committing tax fraud. It works out better for everybody. Hot dog, you betcha it does. Don't sound so pleased. My bank account is completely empty thanks to this venture. Jane, don't be absurd. Banks don't exist in the void. How do you explain this bank statement, then? Oh, it's just my story. Told you. Banks are just a conspiracy made to keep us thinking that there's actually such a thing as money. If you're as broke as I am, there isn't such a thing as money. (laughs) Uh, I'm just gonna read my story. Thank you. Come again. The bells on the front door of the Poppy Seed Cafe jingled as the door slammed shut. As soon as the last customer made it past the window, Logan slumped forward over the cash register. It made a pleasant ding and opened the drawer to slug them in the stomach. They let out an oof, but made no move to get more comfortable. One rush down, one to go, chirped Celeste, patting Logan on the back. Come on, it's only 9.30. You can't give up already. Oh, yes, I can, moaned Logan standing up to crack their back. I'm tapping out, Cece. I quit. Forever. Celeste laughed, ruffling the already unruly mop of reddish-brown hair on Logan's head. No, you don't. You don't get to leave. You're the only one who can decorate cupcakes. Celeste had a point. Logan leaned over the counter to peer into the dessert case. The cupcakes that they and Celeste had made lined the bottom two shelves. Logan's were clear designs of neat little pumpkins, maple leaves, and other autumnal scenes. Beside them were Celeste's creations, which looked a bit more like a massacre than a pumpkin patch. Point taken, Logan said dryly, but I demand benefits, twice annual bonuses, and two months vacation per year. How about steady pay, 30-minute breaks, and free coffee and food? Logan feigned consideration and held out a stiff hand. You drive a hard bargain, Miss Foster. You got yourself a deal. A hearty handshake melted into peals of laughter which gave way into a split banana nut muffin and a cup of tea each. Late September in New England brought a great number of changes along with its colorful leaves. As weather got cooler, specialty drinks got warmer, and flavors got distinctly more pumpkin-y. The decorations, too, were changed to fit the crisp autumn air. All up and down Main Street, shops had their windows adorned with scenes of pumpkin patches and maple tree forests. The Poppy Seed Cafe was no different. Logan had personally seen to it that the window was painted accordingly. A smiling, button-eyed scarecrow now greeted every guest that moseyed on through the door. 
despite all their belly aching and grumbling, Logan was quite content working at the cafe, especially given the number of free caramel apple lattes they got to sneak. As the excitement of the morning rush wore down, Celeste and Logan were left in an empty cafe. Celeste excused herself to her office, stating something about having to put up more orders for supplies. Ignoring the slight dry itch in their throat, Logan busied themselves with bussing tables and sweeping the floor, singing quietly to themselves as they did so. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, the worms play pinnacle on your snout. Just as they were wondering exactly what pinnacle was and how it was played, the bells on the door jangled. Logan looked up to greet the customer. It was a businessman of some fashion or another, wearing a sober black suit and penny loafers. In one hand, he carried a battered briefcase. Putting on their cheeriest smile, Logan chirped, "'Hello. Welcome to the poppy seed. Uh, let me just put this thing away and I'll be right with you.' Logan scurried back behind the counter, leaning the broom haphazardly against an unoccupied bit of wall. They brushed off their apron and wiped their hands on a dish rag before quickly taking their rightful place behind the cash register. To their surprise, though, the man had not approached the counter. He took a seat in the corner of the cafe, tucked away from the window, and set his briefcase on the table. He popped it open. From their place up at the front, Logan couldn't see what was inside, nor did the man remove anything aside from a manila folder. It was a few minutes before Logan really did anything. They thought that maybe the man just wanted to get settled before buying anything, so for courtesy's sake, they waited for him to finish and come over. After an awkward few minutes of fidgeting with an empty tip jar and adjusting the sample cups, though, the man in the suit still had not ordered. Logan had no intention of spending their entire shift waiting around for this man to make up his mind, so they began to busy themselves. They snatched up their broom once again, careful to sweep every section of the cafe, besides the one where he sat. Aside from the sounds of the bristles brushing against the floor, the cafe was surprisingly quiet. Usually, Celeste kept some calm, instrumental track playing in the background so as to drown out any traffic coming from Main Street, but today she had apparently opted for silence. This was fair, Logan supposed, if she needed to concentrate and crunch some numbers. Besides, they didn't need Whitaker to entertain them. Don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by, they began again under their breath, having forgotten what verse they were on in their previous rendition. For you may be the next to die. Come to think of it, the song itself was pretty unsettling. Logan's grandpa had taught them to sing it when they were little. He'd learned it during the war, and where it came from before that, neither of them had any clue. Still, despite its disturbing lyrics, that song was comforting and nostalgic for Logan, in a weird, cathartic sort of way. Their grandfather had passed two years prior from lung cancer, and the song helped Logan come to grips with the reality of dying. Singing or no singing, sweeping didn't really occupy much time at all, and before long, Logan had moved on to task number two, taking inventory. All the while, the man in the suit sat silently in the corner, seemingly doing his own stock-taking of whatever was in his briefcase. Logan had the brief thought to go over there and explain that this wasn't a public library, and that he did have to purchase something if he wanted to stay. They decided against this, though. Something about the man's slim, sharp features and cold stare made them uneasy, and gave them the impression that he was a no-nonsense type. Logan reasoned that perhaps this man was just very caught up with his work. He'd order in his own time. Who were they to rush a busy man? Inventory was even more mind-numbing than usual, and Logan found their mind drifting to all sorts of places. First, looking at Celeste's lopsided frosting mushrooms, they wondered how a woman who'd opened a café and bakery 
was so abysmal at decorating suites. Then they wondered what they might do once they got off of work, and whether or not they needed to pick anything up from the grocers on the way home. They also wondered when it had gotten so cold inside the café. A shiver ran up their spine as they were counting the croissants. By the time they finished taking inventory, Logan had a sizable knot in their back and a crick in their neck. They stood stiffly with a groan and stretched. The music was still turned off and Celeste had yet to come out of her office. Logan did a quick scan of the café to see if anyone had come in without them hearing, preparing a profuse apology. But the place was empty. Empty, save for the man in the suit. He was in the same position Logan had last left him, still flipping through what must have been a thick stack of papers in his case. It felt like hours since the last rush, but one quick glance at the clock told Logan it was only 9.43. They frowned at the old analog wall clock. That couldn't have been right. It had definitely been more than 13 minutes since the morning rush. Yet the hands on the clock kept ticking away. Logan scoffed. Ugh, this thing probably needs to be wound. That was a problem for a future Logan, though, or perhaps future Celeste. The lunch rush would be gearing up soon enough, and Logan had a lot more to take care of if they wanted to be prepared for it. They snuck a glance over their shoulder to see if the man was still seated at his corner table, which he was, and slipped into the back. There was a store of dessert case items in the fridge, and a few trips back and forth to the counter saw all of the cupcakes, scones, muffins, and croissants refilled. Well, almost all of them. Logan made a mental note to bake more pumpkin muffins when they had the chance. By the time Logan had finished restocking and cleaning up the counter, not one customer had set foot through the door. The bells on the door hung stock still in the air, not even the tiniest hint of movement clinking in them. Logan sighed heavily, slumping over against the counter. This was going to be a long day. They glanced at the ticking wall clock, which still proudly displayed 9.43. With a groan, they picked up a lone dish rag and began wiping down the espresso machine for the second time that day. Once again, they started up their song. They'll wrap you up in cotton sheets from your head down to your feet. That's a lovely tune, came an even, clear voice from behind them. A sharp gasp caught in Logan's throat as they spun around, poised yet again to give a typical poor customer service apology. They were stopped in their tracks, though, when they were met with those sharp, fine features that they'd been trying to avoid all day. "'I don't mean to startle you,' said the man in the suit. His voice was monotone and precise, almost as if his words were rehearsed. "'You needn't be frightened.' "'I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not,' Logan said hurriedly. They briefly studied the man's face, though quickly abandoned the idea in favor of looking anywhere else. He wasn't hideous or anything of the sort. With his dark, smooth skin and prominent features, one might even describe him as handsome. It was his eyes that had put Logan off. They were a sharp, piercing gray and utterly unwavering. He did not blink as he held their gaze. "'I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude. I didn't hear you come up, is all. Uh, what can I get you, sir?' "'I don't need anything, thank you.' said the man in the suit, assertively. Where did you learn that song? I quite like it. Logan hesitated for a moment, sneaking another glance at the man's face. His expression had not changed from its impassive, purposeful gaze. His eyes bore into Logan's. They quickly fixated on the keys of the cash register. My grandfather. He taught it to me when I was little. Is that so? Strange song to teach a child, but all must learn of mortality at some point, I suppose. He learned it during his time in the army. It was not a question. How did you know— Are you ready to go and see him, Logan? 
asked the man in the suit, checking his watch. Really, we should have gotten going some time ago, but you seemed like you needed to adjust. Uh, adjust? Adjust to what? H how do you know my name? How do you know- Logan was cut off by the sound of an ambulance siren, and suddenly they were no longer alone with the man in the suit. The cafe was a bustling hive of activity. All sorts of people swarmed around. Some customers huddled together off to the side, while EMTs hunched over someone on a gurney. Celeste stood behind the counter next to Logan, sobbing into her hands. Cece? Hey, Celeste, what's going on? Logan asked, but Celeste made no response. Logan put a hand on her shoulder. There was still no reaction. Celeste, what happened? She can't hear you, Logan, said the man in the suit, or feel you, for that matter. Apoplectic, Logan looked helplessly up at the man. He inclined his head and swept out his arm, inviting Logan to join him on the other side of the counter. Moving slowly, as if floating through a dream, Logan followed. The man in the suit led them to where the EMTs were standing. "'They must have not known about the nut allergy,' muttered one, a young lady with blonde hair. "'If they just had an EpiPen!' There was a heavy sigh of regret from the one closest to her. Two others stepped away just as she pulled the white cotton sheet up. The only glimpse Logan could catch of the body was a mop of messy, reddish-brown hair before they were hidden under the sheet. Wordlessly, the EMTs carried them onto an ambulance and drove off. Logan stood, watching as it made its way carefully down Main Street. The sirens did not wail this time. It felt like a long time before Logan moved again. The music had faded back out, and the cafe was suddenly cold and empty again. A gentle hand came to rest on Logan's shoulder. I know this must be a lot, but we really must get going, the man in the suit said. Now, his monotone voice held a slight air of sympathy. He held open the front door of the poppy seed cafe, gesturing for Logan to go through. Taking a deep breath, Logan stepped out the door with a song on their lips. They'll wrap you up in cotton sheets from your head down to your feet. You know, Jane, that story got me thinking. Oh, that's new. Maybe we should open up a cafe. I even have a brilliant gimmick to bring in customers. It can be an armadillo cafe. Armadillos. Uh-huh. Where are we supposed to find armadillos? Why not pick something easier to find, like dogs or hamsters or goldfish? No, no, they wouldn't work. How do we even train a goldfish to serve coffee? Hmm, but you got a point. Armadillos usually don't reside in the void. Hmm. What small internet popular animal could we use to attract customers that is also abundant in the void? Not now, Snigglepuss. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It was written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Our theme song was composed by Charles Adam Robinson, and our logo designed by Sam Vitale. Our social media manager is Rebecca Tewksbury. Email us directly at zero nullstreet at gmail.com. Visit our socials or support us on Patreon at the link tree in the description below. Rate and review us wherever you get podcasts. Stay, and remember, nothing is real.